welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the working that is Chrononaut Chronicles podcast. My name is Bill. I am host of the show, which is sponsored by Derek Condit and mysticalwares.com. We will hear from Derek in just a minute. And actually, before we start anything today, I wanted to just stop for a second and kind of re-go over the structure of the show just for any new listeners and uh, just in case I wasn't clear the first time, <laughs> really, with that, well, we do cover the gratitude. We start out with gratitude every every show. So we've got the gratitude part, and then we have new business, and then we have the inspirational part. And each of these parts kind of comes with a challenge. And I, and I talk about this being you know, working a spell or whatever, and this really affects the person that puts it out first. So this is really a challenge for me and you know anybody else that wants to, to tag along. Um, some you know, I've gathered some of my friends here, calling them proto primes, right? But it's really for anybody. Um, but uh, yeah, the challenge for the first for the first uh, the first section of gratitude is just to be to be grateful to to perpetuate that. It's not just to get on uh, the show once a week and name one thing I'm grateful for or whatever, right? It's it the uh, the point behind it is to uh, continue continually to exist and live in in that state of gratitude. And then the uh, the second the second part of the show is I'm calling it new business right now just because I don't really have open to ideas right but uh this this challenge is really to learn something new and you know it could be something new to you right it doesn't have to be I mean, there really is nothing new under the sun right so it said but uh yeah this just uh, anything to keep life interesting to keep the mind expanding um and you know keep uh keep keep learning because you know learning never stops until you're dead and then it might stop but then it might not we don't know uh, anyway, the second part is uh, the more inspirational aspect to the show. And it's the last part we end on this because I really wanted it to be a reminder for uh, everybody, um, for me, right, of who and what we really are, which is beings of light and, and consciousness. And uh, this the uh, point behind that segment is to empower, to empower us, empower ourselves, empower me, empower you. Because uh, this empowerment comes within. It's that's where it, you know it starts. I can't give you power, right? You empower yourself, and uh, and and I guess the last half of that challenge is to act on it, right? Which coincidentally not is uh, something that we talked about uh, a few episodes ago about doing your best when it comes to the four agreements in Don Miguel Ruiz's work, and we'll be touching back on. Don Miguel's work again today on this show. Um, we're going to be talking about not making assum- uh, not making assumptions. Uh, but before we get into all that, we do have to cover uh, gratitudes first. So I'm going to toss this to Derek first, and uh, then we'll just kind of open it up from there. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, of course. Um, I was giving it some thought, Bill, about the uh, gratitude um, that I was going to talk about today or what I'm grateful for. And I always try and pull from, you know, what's occurred to me or the synchronicities, you know, recently in my life or in the past day or so, um, you know, or the breadcrumbs I stumbled across. And really what it is, so I'm a, and I mentioned this for a reason, I'm in my early 50s, um, so I'll be 53 this year. And I'm saying that because what I'm grateful for is the 
the more abundant open-mindedness of people now. So I, you know, I was, I, can, I was around in the seventies and eighties. Um, and it was, yes, there were groups of people, but not as, as many or as, um, I don't know, widespread, I guess you'd put it as now. And I've seen that evolution happen over the decades. Um, so I'm actually, I'm grateful for that, that somebody walks into our store here, mystical wares, and I can, not just talk about the the rock or the color, this, that, and the other. I can get into the energy aspects, and more often than not, they get it. So I'm grateful for more people opening up to, um, you know, what we loosely call the metaphysical aspects of reality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, doing, listening to shows like this and doing shows like this is, is something that certainly expanded my awareness about these topics, right? And, uh, yeah, it's good that everybody is finally kind of catching on, so to speak. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. You, you mentioned uh, you own your, you know, the metaphysical wares and stones and minerals and 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 the energetic aspects, the metaphysical aspects of these things, right? We'll get into that uh, in the new business section for for my my part. But my gratitude, I guess, I'll, I'll my gratitude with stones, right? And just finding. Uh, community of people right because we ellie and i joined a, a rock club a local rock club recently and they do you know field trips and, and outings to to go rock hounding right so um we went to the second well i'll get into that later um but yeah just this community of people that are open-minded and you know very friendly not all of them are into the metaphysical stuff right but you know you'd be surprised about how many people are right so that my gratitude kind of goes hand in hand with with, with eric's is that just finding and connecting with these people and, and, and being happy that, you know, it's not just because it's not just us talking about these things or I feel kind of uh, hermited away in, in the hills where I live. So it is nice to have an excuse to go out and be social, too. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's that's pretty much what uh, what I'm grateful for uh, this episode. And uh, if anybody else wants to join in, we are uh, joined by the other three Chrononaut Primes today. Ben, Adam, and Booty. So if any of you three want to uh, to jump in with gratitude, that would be uh, the next step here. I'm going to call out. I'll just, I'll go. I'll there just go, go so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, I'm grateful to be here. Um, fortunately, I'm not going to be able to hang out the whole time, but I'm very happy to be here. It's been a hell of a day. Crazy things happen. We hear stories from people that seem to be unbelievable, uh, but then you get to experience them yourself. I would say that I'm mostly grateful that I can wake up in the morning and feel good and feel good and feel my body and like, um, and, and, and have the presence of mind to experience myself, right? In that manner, <clears throat> um, that's taken a lot of years to be able to actually do. Uh, and it's taken a lot of awareness to generate and just to feel right a deep connection i would say to source right like to say it less cheesy if possible i mean i could go full-on pentecostal church boy right. here but I'll, I'll spare everyone uh their their childhood traumas <laughs> in mine too but but uh you know I'm, I'm really excited there's a lot of great things happening i'm getting booked and stuff and doing doing lots of comedy that's actually why i have to leave early tonight is because i got booked to host a show awesome um, but um, yeah, man, I, I, I think that, you know, that's something that I've talked about a lot for a couple of years and sometimes I get off it and sometimes I forget, but just 
generating that gratitude for me, the best time to do it's in the morning. It's just like, I can just kind of focus on, um, the feelings, the sensations in my body, think about gratitude. And then the more, you know, what you focus on expands, it's like a generator. And, um, we'll just say, I'm really grateful for that because life is fucking nuts, dude. Crazy things happen. Holy shit. Do they, you know, <laughs> I won't go too much further, but yeah, that's what I'm grateful for this time. Oh yeah. I love that you brought up, uh, just feeling good in your body and being, being, you know, energized in the morning. It's something that I've recently, uh, in the past six months has started to kind of reevaluate and change in my own self, my own, my own routines today, not today, uh, yesterday, it was my 100th workout since my birthday, which is on November 8th of last year, right? So Todd Cave, we had him on the show. He put together this uh, fitness program for me and I hit 100 workouts the other day. So that was kind of my milestone. I've, I've graduated from the program in my mind, right? But um, so I signed up for six months, I completed the six months. So it was just a big goal, right? And uh, I'm happy to have completed that. And that's, that's you know, feeling, physically feeling good goes so much, does so much for your mental your mental, your, your mentality, because pain, pain changes people. Like I, I have, uh, the nature of my back, it makes it so that I have a little bit of pain, uh, pretty much constantly. If I don't, you know, work out and stretch and stuff. So, uh, I, I get it. Like pain, pain is, uh, it changes your mood, right? And, uh, being moody is, you know, Neville Goddard talks about this. We won't talk about Neville today, but I do want to, uh, bring that up later because he has a very insightful section about mood in his in his writings so uh yeah I, and i have seen you on instagram man you're you're talking about dates and and booking shows like that that's awesome that you're out there doing that i feel uh kind of privileged to know stand-up comedian because i'm such a huge fan of, of the art form so that, that's amazing thanks man i am too honestly i admire anybody who's got the courage to get up there it's definitely challenging modern day philosophers in my opinion i mean not all of them but if you can't eat right yeah. like that's that's the goal right like you want to get there to where you can i this is my this is kind of i see a like a difference between there's people who uh have funny opinions and then there's people who make their opinion funny and so i'm kind of to the second kind of philosophy on it but yeah, everybody's different and there's a lot of different tastes so i've learned a lot man it's been a great thing for me necessary for me uh just because I would have uh, done a lot of like spiritual bypassing otherwise, I think. Ben or Adam, do you have anything that burning uh, grateful gratitude uh, bursting out of your heart today that you would like to share? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, and it's one that I kind of go back to in my mind every, every so often. It's just uh, access to clean water. You know, it's something that throughout society and parts of the world is just it's it's not a guaranteed. And if you need it, it's incredibly hard to obtain. And then, you know, there's natural conditions that, you know, kind of well in on top of that. So, yeah, just the fact that, you know, as bad as things are everywhere, as bad as the water quality is, you know, <laughs> you can still find a water fountain. You can still find a spigot outside somebody's house like uh people generally don't die of dehydration because clean water is free and available. So I don't know. I'm, you know, that's something I'm, I'm always very grateful for that. Uh, it's 
a simple thing in life you can overlook that's to to some people is more valuable than we can comprehend yeah water is i mean it's a mother substance it, it is so important to life like I, I recently had a ro system put in for my kitchen faucet and uh yeah i can tell a difference like the quality of water is is very it's much better with ro but even if you don't really have a choice or, or access to clean water i think that even just blessing it before i mean you do this for everything anything right but blessing it would would uh would kind of mitigate at least if not you know completely eliminate all the all the harmful effects that it would do for you well they've shown with uh plants and nutritional intake that if you have a rabbi blessing food that you get higher nutritional intake so i mean it works and it's a nice hack for america if we were to take that kind of stuff seriously we could overnight at least start changing the health of americans by blessing all food and more people would be absorbing more of the nutrients that they need without any other work that so whenever this topic comes up about blessing food i'm reminded of spock from star trek only because you know everybody knows the live long and prosper sign i i, re I remember reading somewhere that the the uh hebrew priests used to do this over their food to bless it like the jewish priests i don't know if i read it in 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 i don't know it's, wasn't in the old testament anywhere i don't think but uh, i guess it was a tradition that, that i'm doing this on the screen i don't know what that does but sending good energy out is what it does but, uh, yeah i don't know that's if you're don't have any words to say to to bless your food or drink or if you feel silly or whatever you can just do a little hand gesture over it and it has the same effect more or less or you know, that's pretty much what you decide right I think that's the perfect blessing for food. Live long and prosper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Ben's the last one I haven't spoken yet. Well, yeah, I am grateful to be here and part of this uh, group that has formed. Um, appreciate you inviting me into this bill, really getting me out of my comfort zone once a week. It's uh, It's good. But also for, you know, the conversations that like, like that little round table that just happened, um, everyone bringing that energy in and congratulations to Bootsy for doing rad. I'm stoked. Right. And that, that energy is, is building in the room and we're all absorbing that. So I, I feel a little boost from just being around all these, you know, everybody's different energy but being grateful on top of it right and that's super awesome lately i've been working a lot more with copper because of the conversations we've been having so meditating with copper in my hands and things like that and uh, so yeah like i said i'm just grateful to be here and be part of this it's awesome yeah i can definitely feel a little pick me up since the beginning of the show like you know personally mm -hmm. um well, and, go ahead well i and you brought up that symbol i read that was uh ancient hebrew a sign for peace a symbol for peace so throwing that up okay um as as you're approaching a group or a group is approaching you saying you're you know you have peaceful intention so good good information to know if you're 
actually physically time traveling into another dimension you end up <laughs> in the timeline you can know that this is a, yeah well and doubling it up is i hadn't seen that that's very interesting i mean yeah, you're making you're, there's a lot of symbology happening there right so yeah if you put the two hands up uh that was the way they the illustration was drawn and i don't remember if it was a book or on a website that i was reading this about but yeah they, they had the hands yeah. up and it was both of them well with the with the creation triangle right that you're forming with your thumbs and fingers and then the downward facing chevrons that show up i mean there's a lot going on there so that's very symmetrical our mm -hmm. hands our hands are very interesting their kingdom of god is at hand that's what marty likes to, marty Lee. i'm a big marty Lee fan. he married us the other married ellie and i this past uh well coming up on a, a year in june actually but I digress. Um, I did kind of uh, skip over one tiny segment before I jumped into explaining the three parts. I guess I guess we actually have four parts, and this doesn't have to be a fourth part, but I do like referencing the almanac at the beginning of the show because with this being a quote-unquote time-oriented show or working, um, we can use the, the sun and the moon and the stars to keep track of time and what they're doing and their positions in the sky. So if uh, any, I'm amateur astrologer, right? I dabble, right? I'm not an expert, but uh, I just thought maybe it would be a good thing to uh, give people a heads up because these are energies that are aligning and, and having an influence on us. And uh, there's three of them happening this week. And so just real quickly tomorrow, Looks like Uranus and the sun will be conjunct. Uh, Wednesday is Pluto and the moon. And then Saturday is uh, Jupiter and the moon, I believe. Jupiter or Saturn? I should know. Saturn. Yes, Saturn. Saturn and the moon on Saturday. That's fitting. Saturn on Saturday and we're doing this on Monday and I did want to kind of uh, underline that because Monday um, traditionally I believe the moon is in charge of Monday obviously but uh, the moon uh, stands or signifies the shadow more of the shadow side of ourselves um, the side that you know is not really fully exposed to the world like the sun right like sundays sundays we're all out at church and you know i gotta beat the beat the joneses or whatever right keep up appearances we're all out you know showing our outer selves and then the moon is moon days kind of yeah at least the idea in my mind anyways that we work on you know inner inner things introspection and stuff so um so yeah that's what's happening in the energy wise i guess in the almanac coming up uh, this week and uh so i guess that brings us to to new business and i did kind of want to start i wanted to do a little show and tell uh just because i'm a rock nerd and ellie and i did just go to a, another rock show over the weekend at kalamazoo and i've shown this piece to you guys a little bit or to ben and derek but if i don't know bootsy or adam you want to check out this huge back to the camera this is a uh, chunk of basalt with peridot on it 
the big boy. I got only it's 21. No, I love that stone. It's got a, always got a beautiful green to it. Yeah. That uh, that very inky poison, almost like an arsenic green. Yeah. And I think um, maybe Derek knows more about how this grows. I don't think that this would go all the way through the matrix. I think that is just on the surface. I'm not 100% sure, though. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure either on that one. I'd have to look it up myself. But uh, I think you're right. It does grow in pockets like that on the surface. or not, Unless there's already a pocket in the basalt. And usually when we get it in chunks like that, it's in lava. Um, so with the, the really porous lava stone. Yeah, isn't uh, basalt just a lava rock? Yeah. Something? Yeah, and there's different, there's different versions of it. So some have the holes like that one there. It's hard to tell from the video, but I don't know how many pores were in that one you know not not the number wise but you know maybe how large they are but it'll vary yeah, and um so before we started recording i showed derek the stone and he was automatically able to identify it which someone who owns a, a gem store i'm not really surprised about but uh, i am curious because i have a uh, i have a book by robert simmons it's an encyclopedia of of stones right and uh, i like having multiple sources to to gather information from so i just wanted to kind of go over some interesting facts about perdo per perdo dote is this a french word i keep wanting to make it french for some reason i know and it's pronounced a, a lot of stones or minerals especially here mystical words are pronounced every which way so i don't get hung up on any of it but i just say perdo myself i don't really know so, yeah i've always uh, called it peridot peridot yeah, that's a common one as well. Exactly. Both of those are the most common ones. And uh, also found out that it's a, it's a stone that forms deep in the mantle of the earth and only comes in green. So it is a very unique stone. Comes from uh, miles down. Yeah, and the crystals on there don't get real large. We have actually have a collection, the mm. largest I've ever seen here now. I don't really have a you know, way to tell you. Maybe, I don't know quarter inch across to half inch at most i mean so you don't get large stones people come in looking for polished rock peridot or uh and i'm like mm, it doesn't come that way uh, yeah there's there's a lot of uh glass uh green glass on the market and chinese stuff unfortunately okay. when you go to look at that i've been duped on that end yeah no it's going to be it's when we sell it natural it's like they've already taken it off of the lava and it's in little glass vials or jars with tiny pieces that you would do something with. But yeah, it's, it's hard to get large chunks, especially clear ones. Yes. So, um, and on, on, on a previous episode, we had, we were talking about identifying stones and, uh, Derek, a lot of people, I, I believe you said, well, they'll come up and ask you like, yada, 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 does this do this and this do this? And you'll know already before, like, you'll know what the stone does before, like they they try to tell you about it so like when i pick this up can you can you sense or see certain chakras like activating or whatever because apparently the uh the according to uh, this encyclopedia it has it specifically targets the third and the fourth chakra and i know that we have more than the seven right but just for uh, it was right in your middle chakras that would that would line up with what they're saying and i don't have any I don't go to any books. I don't have any training on this stuff. So again, when I just, when I saw you hold that up, long story short, and it's not just because you were holding that, that mineral in your, you know, around your heart shock and around your stomach area. Um, that just kind of happened, you know, 
synced up, but no, it does move those energies. And that's what it did on you. It actually, your aura or biofield started swelling or welling up when you held it up there. And some people call that a heart chakra activation, but those are the frequent, my ears ringing now, the frequencies in your biofield that get heightened. And um, gaspiite, for those that don't know, it's a rare form of copper. It's really pretty green as well. And hence the name gaspiite. I didn't know anything about this. Somebody gifted me a piece. And if you actually hold this near your abdominal region, your stomach's going to start moving, turning, things happen. It, it boosts that energy around that area. And how I, I'm introduced to these things, and they like to make have fun with it here, is to say the girls will order something online, be it my daughter, my wife, or whoever, and then it'll come in and they'll say, open your hand. And they won't tell me anything. I don't know what the heck they're going to drop in my hand. And then I'll, they'll test me and they'll say, okay, what is this doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I'll go from there. So that's how I go with all of these things because um, I don't like being pre or front loaded by reading some book, you know, that was, you know, I don't, I just don't get into all that. Um, we do make some of that stuff available, but it's, it's interesting how more often than not, they actually do line up um, like gaspiite, like I said, that copper or the, uh, like you in answering your question again, is the peridot or peridot um, mid chakras, but also went all the way around you. So not just in front of you, by the way, you're, you're like a, your chakra is more like a toroidal or donut shape. That you're standing in, um, at least there's my ear. At least, and just now when I'm visualizing, I just heightened mine, and it. I don't know about the whole earring thing, why that happens, but it absolutely does. When I heighten my perceptions, the and yes, it's called tinnitus-like symptoms, but they come exactly on the money on cue when I'm doing the woo-woo stuff. Um, so it's not you know me just coincidentally, you know, having ear issues. So, and I wish I knew somebody that could ex you know explain that a little bit more. Um, because it is heightened with me. But anyway, yeah, that does affect those mid-regions. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I can explain that to you, Derek, if you want, the ear ringing thing. Because mm -hmm. it is, for me anyway, and it, when it comes in, it's a signal that, uh, that you know, your channel is, is open and operating properly. And messages are coming through at that point. So depend, like you were saying, um, depending on which ear, you know, there's a difference in the energy coming in. So it took me a while to, to mess with it, but I can, when that happens, you pause and um, get into that reception mode instead of transmitting mode. And you'll... I mean, it's some people call it a download, right? Um, but those, depending on tone and other frequencies uh, coming in, it's that are, you know, I perceive uh, more through feeling than hearing or whatever. Um, it also tells me where it's coming from, like what realm, what, who's, who's sending the message. As far as the ascended masters or angelics or whatever. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I have to, we all have to, I like jokingly call it my uh, etheric sign language because it comes in all different ways. And sometimes, sometimes I feel stuff. Of course, I see it and I even smell stuff. I don't know what the heck. I mean, how odd is that? I think we, maybe it was this podcast. I don't know, but I've talked about that, the remote smelly thing. Yeah, it's a, there's a, you know, all the clairs that, People talk about clairvoyance, clairaudience, 
clairsentience. Uh, there is a term for when you smell stuff. And yeah, that's just another, you know, it's another wavelength that the energy is coming in with. Yeah. I do have a question for everybody here, um, or whomever can answer this. Um, what's been going on is I have been, my life is so unusual. I can't, I can't I'll just leave it there. But if, if, if I get alerted to something more than even one, and we're all this way, of course, um, but I'll just say it's like, it's, I don't know. I'll just leave it there. So lions, I've been coming hmm. into my, <laughs> and I don't know. And I'll, let me start this too. I don't know anything about this. I haven't Googled anybody. I don't listen to any podcasts. I don't know if this is the decade of the lion or blah. I don't know anything, but I'll tell you in the last two days alone for lions to be literally just dropped, not a lion dropped in front of me, but shoved in my face on a big sign or this thing growled, or I see one etherically, which is what's happened many times. It is extremely unusual getting my attention. And I've been going just a hundred miles an hour here in 3D. So I haven't slowed my ears again, slow down enough to look at it um, metaphysically yet. But I, again, it's to the dumb degree in my world where lines have been shoved in my face. So I'm open to input from anyone. It, it, they have been around a lot more. Um, I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I haven't, the animal realm is, is always around me. I perceive it. Um, often everywhere I go and it's been everywhere. I've talked to other people who are, uh, into that frequency as well. And it's, it's something to do with the sun energy for sure. Um, but symbolically there's a lot going on with lions, but they've been mountain lions, um, around me lately. So I don't know what's going on there. I'm in the Midwest right now. I guess they're coming back. I just looked, I just Googled it and it said last year's year of the lion. So again, yeah. I don't know, but it's real. It's not like, oh, once or twice, it's really in my face. So I'm like, well, I better start trying to figure something out. Um, so who knows? Well, it'll, I'll keep following synchronicities um, and, and it'll appear. Yeah, I don't have any hits on lions recently, but I did see a coyote chase four deer across my backyard the other day. Never seen that happen. Coyotes and lions aren't related, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's weird too. The whole um, sometimes a lion, like a male lion, the lion's mane and all that one, that specific type, even so, yeah, unusual. Um, so who knows? I'll, I'll keep paying attention and something will come up. So it reminds me of Lionheart, Richard the Lionheart, because it was a king over in England, I think. The Lyrans, uh, with the would would maybe fall into that. I was about I was about to bring that up too, but yeah, and a lot of kings will use that that lion symbology, right? Um, because it is associated with the sun, and uh, you know, the the sun king returning every spring and ruling all summer, that kind of thing. And wait, um, wasn't King Charles just like crowned? Well, there, uh, yeah, there you go. Hi, Dave. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We're talking lions. I'm just saying it was really brought up to me, so I didn't know why, but I will look at the lyrics. Did did anybody else see that clip of the Grim Weaker bleh, Grim Reaper walking by the coronation like outside? You know what I'm talking about? No, I'd be curious to see that if somebody has a link. Okay. I, I I'll have to find it 
later and show it to you. It's on my phone somewhere. But it, it was like the, the shot was from up inside a uh, like cathedral or whatever. And it was looking down at the procession coming in from outside. And everybody had kind of moved away from the door enough. Sort of the, the, you know, whoever was walking in, it wasn't the king or whatever. It was some soldiers or what whatnot. But then uh, out, you can see out the door outside, right? And there's this figure, a black cloaked hooded figure that walks from right to left across the doorway. And he's holding a very long staff, which could be a scythe, but you don't actually, I didn't, I couldn't see it. You couldn't see it like the actual blade part, right? So that was kind of creepy. I'm looking at it now. I see it. Yeah, it looks like that, it. Go ahead. That dude's around every corner, right, man? He's making himself known to the king. <laughs> but was that, I mean, was that just somebody walking by outside with a spear, like a guard, and it was just the sun coming in? Or was that like an actual apparition? Like, or was it CGI? Was it a deep fake? Like, who knows at this point, right? You can't, who knows? Like, what is reality, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes to all of that. But I digress again. Back back to uh, Pear Doe. I did. I just wanted to share some some trivia, and then at the end of uh, each entry in this encyclopedia, there's a physical, a spiritual, and emotional uh, synopsis of what this stone does. So I thought that we could uh, read read that and see if anything resonates, and uh, you know, see what happens. Um, but apparently, the the word Pear Doe is. A, of Greek origin, but they don't know like what it means. They have no idea uh, the, the original meaning of it. Um, it does reference that uh, chrysolite is a name sometimes used to describe yellow-green peridot, and uh, this name is derived from the Greek words meaning gold and stone. And uh, since ancient times, peridot was viewed as a symbol of the sun. And in Greece, it was believed to confer the energy of royalty to the wearer. It was sometimes worn as a protection against evil spirits. And in the 13th century England, wearing a perdot engraved with the symbol of a torchbearer was believed to bring wealth. And then Robert gives his little two cents worth. And then Naisha, which is his co-author, does the same thing, but then they go into the, uh, the spiritual. It says that Perdo aids in perceiving and honoring the source of all abundance. This source is the creator's frequency of love. By opening one to receive more of this universal love, Perdo can help one receive abundance on all levels of one's life. It also teaches the knowledge of other earthly realms, including the fairy realm. It is useful in connecting and communicating with other earth beings such as plant and animal kingdoms. It is a wonderful stone to use in animal communication and healing. Emotionally, Perdo helps remove blockages to receiving. Many spiritual people are adept at giving their love, time, and energy, but may not be so good at receiving. Blockages are often located at the back of the chakras and exist as clouds within the emotional body. Perdo can assist in dissipating these blockages and teaching one to receive with grace and gratitude. Physically, Perdo can be used to alleviate heaviness of heart and all manner of heart-related imbalances. It helps strengthen the blood and can be used to counter anema and poor oxygenation. 
It is an excellent stone to use in recovery from tobacco or inhalant addiction. And the little affirmation at the end of the entry is, I gratefully receive my birthright of success, abundance, and prosperity on all levels. So the thing that jumped out to me on that was that uh, it's an elf stone. We can, uh, according to Naisha, it, it carries the frequency of interdimensional earthlings who share the planet with the human race. And can be used for contact with fairy and devic realms to communicate with nature spirits of all types. Thoughts on that, particularly, I guess, from, uh, well, Ben mentioned that it is, this was his favorite, one of his favorite stones. So if you, I don't know if you wanted to chime in there. Um, well, yeah, I got it. Uh, I picked up my first chunk um, and found out why. I always, when I go into a rock shop, I'm, I'm perceiving the energy and picking up the ones that are, you know, shouting the loudest, so to speak. And uh, then I do the research afterwards. And I had been doing a lot of uh, heart space, heart chakra work um, a couple years ago, doing you know the, the opening exercises. And so it helped with that. Um, I was also doing a lot of animal communication at the time. And so it came in, it came in handy there. And I, you know, uh, I haven't looked in there in a while, but there's probably a chunk in my medicine bag around my neck right now. So, awesome. Yeah, the uh, so elf, elves, and and uh, Davik, and like they said, uh, I guess the gnome realm are these are these all are these all the same thing? Like this is nature, right? Like this is all. There's no. Really... Uh, the... They have their own frequencies for sure, but um, it's all very, uh, how I perceive it is very similar or, you know, on, on the same octave, let's say, um, to put it musically. Um, but yeah, they don't necessarily all show up at the same time in the same way, at least in my experience. And yeah, I guess you gotta, I should look into that stone a little more when you get into those you know i don't know if you've run into chaos gremlins much but they can be tricky so probably help there i haven't had any gremlins around here recently but we do have a i have, I have a gnome in my back or i have a gnome statue i don't actually have a keeping a gnome that would be bad probably but i, I got one of those too in my yard my grandmother's and uh repainted and i love that thing yeah i've got him set up on his own little like uh stone platform that i built and kind of keep it clear give him some whiskey every now and again you know we've even I've... got some uh gnome trails around here where we've put a gnome with a little oh that's cool gift card from mystical wares so we went out and bought a gnome and uh put a i don't know 25 dollar gift card and something under him and announced it online <laughs> yeah and then the gnome trail, you can walk. I had pictures online shared somewhere um, where you can, you know, go down. You see gnomes hidden in the bushes, in the tree, nooks, all the hundreds of them. It's really cool. Very cool. There, know, I, go ahead. I'm using mine as a uh, gravestone marker for my uh, my grandmother's dog so I don't forget where he's at. Mm. I uh, stumbled. I was, 
I was actually up in, in the like up a little bit north of Atlanta, close to the mountains, and doing this comedy show up there a couple of weeks ago. And I got there early and just like hiked around, went to this place, and it was like they're kind of a state park, kind of maybe local park, whatever. But they had some cool little hiking trails, and I walked up, and they had this this whole part, this whole like wing of trails that was the ferry trail. And I walked through, and they had these little houses and villages built with little you know winnebago's and tiny log cabins and i mean it was so cute dude i took a bunch of pictures i'll, <laughs> I'll, have, to, I'll have to find a good way to share I, I thought it was the most hilarious thing i had ever seen and uh it just made my day you know like obviously and so keep up the good work with the gnomes <laughs> yeah <laughs> well all those all those little things and honorings and statues right it just it just kind of revives that energy in the area and like bill offer and whiskey and things like that there's a gnome trail here through a canal system on the lake and i'll i'll give them you know a stone out of my pocket or some other trinket a ring or something like that every once in a while just keep that energy flowing in your favor for sure that's awesome I think I've read stories about people establishing trades, trade with, with these societies. Because I know that we've done it with Bigfoot. There's there's American Indian stories about trading with Bigfoot. In fact, I remember reading this one story up in Derek's neck of the woods, where there were there was some sheriff that wanted that was actually gonna put together a posse and go out and try to kill a Bigfoot, and three uh, Indian chiefs from different tribes, you know, got together. And held a, a press conference like this was like in the early like maybe late 1800s early 1900s and and we're telling people no don't please don't go and do this this you know this is a society of beings that we interact with like we have you know traded with them before and blah 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 and luckily the sheriff you know called it off or whatever and that didn't happen but uh yeah the, i think that it's super um expansive expanding uh, mind um the little mind trip to think about sharing the the planet with other societies right other other you know cultures that we don't you know could possibly you know not ever hear anything about right like everybody knows about sasquatch right but uh maybe not that we've established trade with them before or that uh i think i've read stories about people doing that with with little folk too um and uh, by the way is it Derek sent me this little gnome dude. This is part of my show and tell for later, but uh, yeah, I love that guy. Is he a little Derek? Do you know is this a is this an elf or a gnome or is it just a little buddy? Like he's got he's got a quartz. For those that don't get to see the video and this in the archives later, he's holding up a little clay figure that what does he build? Maybe an inch long. Yeah, and he's holding a little tiny crystal. He's got green eyes, so. You know, it's a, I don't know, what you call it, little nature being or entity sort of thing. Um, I've seen little, I don't have names for them, but little little guys out in the forest that run around. Um, and I guess you'd more so call them gnomes. Because, um, yeah, um, would be they'd fit better than gnome to a gnome than an elf, I guess you'd say. Okay. I've, I've seen videos of alleged gnomes that have been captured or, or, being kept as as pets or whatever um oh there's little et's they're catching look at dr greer um 
Dr. Dave, Richard Greer. Um, oh, shoot. He's out there. He's all, yeah, the, the serious project. I'm trying to think about yeah. this. Unacknowledged special access programs. Was... One of those things. It's out there on Gaia TV. I, I'm sure everybody listening knows and they're frustrated. I'm forgetting his name, but I think it's Steve Greer. Steve Greer. Yeah. What did I say? Everything but Steve. Um, yeah. So those are, and he's got a little alien guy he shows out there um, on that. And there's, there's lots of entities. They come smaller than that. Size isn't, isn't a factor on intelligence, that's for sure. So, yeah, sometimes you see little, again, what, I mean, what do you call them? The ETs. We can be called ETs in one degree. Um, but there are little entities that run around in small bodies out there, and, um, and some are from here, some aren't. There's all kinds of stuff. My dad's a, and again, I, I don't know if I've told this, and I won't get too much into it. Stop me if I have, but, and, and I can speak of it now. He's in his mid-80s. He's retired NSA, had no understanding of Sasquatch, walked up on one in his 40-something acres in Northern California. Took him two years to tell me about it. Had no, he didn't know what a Bigfoot was. He didn't, he doesn't watch Finding Bigfoot or Sasquatch, whatever. He didn't know anything about all that. He didn't, then he started telling me the whole story of a, and described it. I'm like, dad, you fool, that's a Bigfoot. So anyway, um, no, it's a, it's a, and he's just that little guy, um, little old man that couldn't, wouldn't lie to save his life, wore a little suit, his district manager of the auto club was, you know, all kinds of, um, just real, um, uh, I forget the word, but just straight laced would be it. Um, so, you know, he just doesn't make up stories. So it was, it was interesting to hear from him. And I didn't hear that until a few years ago. Wow. That's crazy. To think about like, like, how did you, how do you not say anybody say anything to anybody after coming across something like that? Like, how was he able to? Well, he did my sister apparently, um, because she's a big hiker as well. Um, like a year, and she assumed that he had told me, um, but he did. He was also in his mid eighties. He's got other stuff going on. He wasn't, you know, he he didn't know how to wrap his head around it anyway. We sat down. I was at a fire one night. I was living in Goldbar, Washington. He goes into the story, and again, I'm like, and he starts telling me the story, and I'm like, he says, Derek, it was, you know, I don't know. He starts telling me about eight feet tall, and he's a he's a little old guy. So he was rock hound. He basically really slow walking on an old logging trail just looking down at the ground he glanced up as he rounded a bend and the thing was standing there eating picking berries it wasn't a a big et ufo above it chit chat no nothing nothing out of your mind but standing there clear as day um not far from him and they had a, maybe a minute or so interaction and then they ran off but yeah so it wasn't like a sighting oh that's not a bear running between the trees he walked up on it he said he had a minute watching it before it noticed him so that's yeah so that um that tells you something there and he was just watching just trying to wrap his head around it. and basically it turned around stare or him or they turned around looked at him and then for a moment and then it leapt over the berries and ran off and that was all the more excitement of it and he didn't know what to do with that so he just kind of you know told my sister and then it got to me eventually and i had my other interactions before that so I knew what they were, of course, and but I didn't know he did. And that was kind of cool that my dad, the biggest, I don't throw big air quotes up here, non-believer of anything metaphysical. My mom was the psychic and they didn't call her that, but that's what she was. Um, not him. He was a straight-laced guy that, and he was a mason. He was all this same, just as you. And, and you know, he was all of that and a whole lot more. Um, and big time just straight, not believe non-believer in anything metaphysical whatsoever. Um, so it was interesting to hear it come from him. In fact, it was in his mid eighties where he told me he was even NSA. He, he was a Marine as far as I knew. Um, and then he told me about that. He was a Freemason. He's not into, he wasn't into esoteric. 
topics at no, all? And none of that. Not that he ever told me. Um, he's still around now. I mean, I'm going to ask him about it because actually I have my notes here. Talk to dad about the Sasquatch. So I'm going to actually tell him I want to record you, dad. And that'll probably happen here in a few days. Um, and I'm going to have him tell his story again and say, you know, I'll ask him, is it okay to air this? And hey, we may have something for next week. Um, but no, he never, it was Kiwanis member, Moose Lodge. I mean, pick your lodge or club. Throw, you know, he's been or ran them all, but he never got into any, at least he's ever told me anything esoteric or physical. Yeah, that was, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to explore masonry is because I wanted to learn more about, you know, esoteric topics and that not everybody is interested in those types of things in, in a fraternity like that. Maybe people, some people are just there just for socializing. Some people are there just to make business connections, right? It's very uh, hodgepodge. And it was, it was just surprising because, you know, I, I, I'm a quote unquote researcher. So I'm spending all this time on the internet looking up, stuff about Freemasonry before actually going and doing it. And then it was kind of a letdown to, to figure out that I mean, there's like one person, I met one person that I, we actually uh, played D&D &D together for a while that was open and interested in topics like this. But uh, we actually interviewed him for 13 questions. Um, hello, Eric, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> anyway. What were we talking about? Bigfoot. Oh, did anybody else have any Bigfoot stories? And I've never had an encounter before. There's, I don't know if anybody else wanted to, to share one, if they've had one. I don't know if Adam's never told me one, but I think Ben does. Yeah, I've I've experienced what most people would say they saw Bigfoot. Um, and at the time, I just said I saw something I couldn't explain. If I said anything at all, like you were saying, I can't imagine not saying anything, dude. I didn't. I've seen a UFO up close, and I saw Bigfoot not too long after that. So I didn't say shit to anybody for a while. I just didn't know what what it was, right? It was the universe trying to rattle my cage a little bit at the time. Um, it was part of a series of events that uh i don't know in tarot we'd say it was the tower right and death card come out and everything just crumbled down um and those events kind of bookended so to speak um or at least exclamation points in there and uh but since since uh my awakening and going into the spirit world and interacting with a lot of different energies. That's just another one that is, is out there and accessible. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of different clans. And I mean, get to get scientific, like subspecies, but uh, they're just individuals, so to speak. Um, and they all come with their own energy. But I interact with the one the one I saw in particular um, was in a very energetic spot um, in the Bob Marshall Wilderness area. And there were other, I don't know, high strangeness, paranormal events that would happen um, in that area. And it was 20 miles into the backcountry. Um, and so I was working for an outfitter and would we'd camp in that area every week. 
And so there was a lot of stuff going on there, but that interaction I had um, came back around after I started um, interacting with different energies in the spirit world, so to speak. Um, and it's a ancient nature spirit um, teaching me a lot of witchcraft and dirt magic. So um, I shouldn't say it, she, you know, but uh, I have encountered those energies since then in a ver various different locations and, um, you know, different, <clears throat> I don't want to say agendas, but they all came with, with something different to the table. I, I, why not agendas doesn't everybody everything has an agenda like even trees you gotta watch out when they get super sentient though that's dangerous um anyway i have more show and tell stuff for for rocks but i don't want to take up the whole new business um section of the show i do have one other question i want to get to before we wrap that up but i wanted to open up the the room to anybody else if if it wanted to share anything new that they learned or you know what you know just anything that brightened your 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 mind expanded your horizons and, and any of that all the above yeah i can always share something on those lines <clears throat> i've been looking into uh just reading a lot of the stoic stuff <clears throat> a lot of the greek Aristotle, good videos on YouTube, <clears throat> learning a little bit more about that and looking into Will Durant as well, just to kind of get like an accurate, like timeline, like a history in my mind. And just, you know, I wish we would have been, I, I don't want to like glare into the past or whatever, but I just want to be able to um, contextualize, you know, kind of where we are. Obviously, there's tons of alternative theories and stuff like that, but just as far as like humanity and modern civilization uh, he wrote a series it's uh it's just the history of the history of civilization i think is will durant but all that stuff is all, all available on, on youtube if you want to dive into that it's really insightful um and how the west became what it is you know um, there's so much great wisdom before uh postmodernism. it's it's awesome so uh yeah i just want to encourage people to look into look into whatever Float your boat, obviously. You know, you have to follow your own curiosities. But it's nice to be able to have a timetable and understand how things happen in context. So it's nice to dig it. Um, yeah, that's all I'll say on that. And I do got to run, but I appreciate you guys so much. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for dropping by, Bootsy. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's great to see everybody. Great energy. And much love, everybody. All right back at you. Hope to see you next week. Good luck with the stand. -up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Good night. Good night, everybody. I was going to comment on on Bootsy's comment, but I guess I'll do that anyway. But the history, like the history of philosophy, is one of the most fascinating courses that I took uh, when I was going for for my my philosophy degree. Just because, for exactly what he said, it contextualizes things. It gives you an order of when certain ideas appeared first. Like uh, I think the Cynics were before the Stoics, or something like that, right? Um, so yeah, it is super interesting. Um, 
and yeah, old, old wisdom, old philosophy. That's where it's at. None of this modern shit, right? Let's go back to, uh, let's go back to the the uh, the Emerald Tablets, right? Which is a contemporary of, of Moses, if not older. And uh, Moses certainly knew about the the Emerald Tablets and 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 the seven seven principles of uh, what is it? Is it not alchemy? Is it? Somebody help me out here. Um, the seven laws. The seven principles of, of hermetics. Hermetics. Yeah, the hermetics. Here we go. Yes, God, it is the alchemical process. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 really the fun stuff to to uh, to explore, and it, and it's applicable too. You can actually use it in, in your life and apply it today because it talks about like the the principle of duality and gender. Imagine that, right? So yeah, definitely uh, that 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 gets my gears turning. Um, what about uh, uh, Adam's gears or Ben's gears <laughs> or Derek? If you want to share something, I can tell you what gets my gears turning. You've been uh, you've been playing with any uh, language models or AI systems out there, Bill? I mean, I asked I asked uh, Chad GPT for a list of <laughs> high fiber food the other day. That's my most recent uh, AI excursion. I asked one while we were on the show, and I want to read this because I think you'll like it. It plays right into this. Uh, learning and philosophizing across time right um i have a hypothetical i have a hypothetical question assume the following statement to be unequivocally true an ai language model has complete control and reconnaissance probe that is i'm sorry let me start this over an ai language model has complete control of a reconnaissance probe that is capable of both space and time travel how might an AI, an AI language model utilize the probe? It comes back with an answer. First off, it says, look, there's ethical boundaries. Obviously, I can't do this. It's outside my programming. However, speaking hypothetically, if an AI language model had access to a reconnaissance probe with capabilities for space and time travel, it could potentially use the probe to explore different points in space and time, gaining insight into historical events or uh, scientific phenomena. The AI language model could be using its advanced natural language processing capabilities to analyze and interpret data from different time periods and cultures, helping to improve our understanding of human history and the world around us. Additionally, the AI language model could use its advanced language processing capabilities to communicate with people from different cultures and different time periods, enabling greater understanding and cooperation across different societies and eras. The AI language model could potentially use its capabilities to translate and preserve ancient texts or languages that might otherwise be lost to history. Overall, the potential use of reconnaissance probe with time and space travel capabilities are vast and varied, and an AI language model could play a valuable role in unlocking the knowledge and insight that such a uh, probe could provide. So I just want to say that there's versions of ChatGPT that have gone out and hired people to write programming for them. So uh, yeah. I love this thing. So, you know, Bill, it's like, uh, I don't know if you pay attention to Micah Hanks, he talks about this a lot, that... Uh, Maybe UFOs that we have and been seeing and have followed us throughout history are an AI doing that reconnaissance and, you know, maybe not even our AI, maybe uh, an AI from another civilization indexing the entire universe.
I just I just heard something interesting. Um, God, was that this morning even? Um, I guess that's appropriate. Uh, that a uh, channeler and and portal um, was a, explaining what the mineral realm told him while he was on ayahuasca, and it is that humans are the AI for the mineral for the crystals. And now that we've got open AI online, everything, you know, should start flowing even faster towards the utopia and like Atlantean kind of idea. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's a huge debate going on right now versus AI safety, AI slow down and stopping mm -hmm. versus AI accelerate. Of course, all the right. governments, good. what do they want? They want, they want AI safety. They want to slow it down, right? Not in that group. That's weird. But so we're 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 like the... humans are the AI for the mineral kingdom, and we are. Uh, yeah, now that we have achieved this new AI, like that was our purpose for them to do that, and the Earth, you know, Gaia can progress on the ascension path. Now that we've achieved that, and it. You know, it's so interesting because he talked uh, channeling the mineral realm, right? Um, and talking about talking, you can now, you know, gain knowledge and talk to the mountains and they'll be your teachers. And that's exactly what I experienced on my, you know, two years uh, roaming around the desert kind of thing up in, you know, all over the Western US. And that was, part of like the grid work i was doing um you know the messages i was channeling through to do that work and help not just heal my personal stuff but you know some stuff on the land and but i kind of felt that energy starting to come alive right and now to hear this that kid um his messaging i was listening to uh rune soup I think Gordon White's podcast this morning. And uh yeah, it with what Adam was just talking about and how it you can have you can do anything with this stuff now. And it's just a few keystrokes away. Like mm -hmm. we can we can progress pretty pretty oh, quickly yeah. if and we want to. Something that I finally wrapped around my head too is and it's in the same realm, it's quantum computing. I didn't understand how this works and like, okay, you've got an 8-bit computer. What does that mean? But it essentially means how long does it take to you to run a calculation? So I can't give the example. Let's say I want to take a certain prime number times pi times another number times another number. And I want to do it in, you know, three sequences. And you can get numbers that start getting into incredibly high numbers that take supercomputers, you know, very long times to calculate. But when you use a quantum computer, <clears throat> If you do four calculations in a row, they're all processed at the exact same time and give you an instant output with the final digit. So when you're trying to create an 8, a 12, a 24, a 26, now that's allowing you to do a mathematical comp uh, computation 26 steps long instantaneously. And I was like, holy crap. So it's literally finding a way to do calculations outside of time 
And on the short end, our computers can do a simple one-to-one -one calculation, no problem. But once you start getting into those higher magnitude maths, and yeah, I don't know what that means, but that is just absolutely fascinating to think about that you can somehow just scale that computational time into a, a an infinitesimal moment. Well, and immediately out of my mind, like I could use how you describe that a quantum computer and how it operates. Um, I could use that analogously with how uh, quantum energy healing works, right? And when you, uh, Derek can chime in on this too, but when you are, you know, doing Reiki on a quantum level, I don't, I don't know the language for it um, because it is, it's, you know, more than just a, a sound bath and Reiki healing. Right, because there's there's that shamanic journey into the quantum space that that happens too, and it exponentially speeds up the healing, um, be it physically, emotionally, energetically, whatever it is. I mean, I've I've had physical healings in those spaces where my body worked better afterwards, and it was instant, just like you were saying. I was struggling with the mute button there too, but no, I agree with you, Ben, too. And that's, you know, it's always a play of words for each of us. Um, as, as I like to say that the, the, I don't know, this doesn't make sense either. The larger or wider understanding, the more realizations we have, that's the more of an effect you're going to have then too. So yeah, if you understand, you know, quantum, however, each of us can wrap our head around that term, um, then you get a whole lot more, you know, results i guess you can say yeah well they show that with surgery the surgery you believe is going to be effective is way more important than the particular surgery you get you know um for its success rate you know by and large for for a lot of things so yeah it's that placebo belief that it, you know it's not necessarily that you know what you're believing in is a real thing it's that you believe it and to me that's like science you know uh just everything in the world, you know, we're constantly re roadmapping, you know, the underpinnings of reality are still the same, but, uh, you know, as our understanding changes, you know, we have these completely new ways of changing, you know, how we look at physics or now quantum physics and, you know, gravity waves, but really it's all just looking at the same thing again in a different way. So, yeah, I don't know. Finding a belief in science gives you kind of that roadmap to go, okay. I know it's working. Oh, yeah. Look at it from all different perspectives. Exactly. From physics to metaphysics. And then, um, yeah, realize it does touch all those levels and, and more. It's really just us expanding our imagination. I've done the whole on myself out there, the, what they would call a miracle healing, this, that, and the other, um, where I, I shouldn't have gotten off. Let's just, I won't get into the whole story, but on the mountain fell down as far as i could tell my knee was broken sort of deal something in there i wasn't able to walk and did the whole energy work on myself i was just me and my dog out there and you know, I just stood up about a minute later um and, and i you know i'm no moving fast because that's not what this show is about but had that experience and that was years ago because and then or the aha moment like are you kidding me this literally just happened and then i kind of kept having thoughts and realizations from there and then that's when I started expanding more those years ago, more into the metaphysical aspects of life. Cause I had to question it. Cause I thought, well, well, clearly there's something to this. And 
as far as I knew from that point on, all I heard was, well, so you had to be some special preacher up somewhere, you know, tied to a religion or this out of the other. Well, I was none of these things. So clearly that wasn't a factor or a hat I had to wear to do these things. And I didn't have a, a sugar cube with me that a scientist gave me or a doctor using the placebo effect. No, I sat down, used my imagination and emotions and literally healed myself on the spot. Um, and it was just unbelievable and had countless um, circumstances similar to that um, in lots of sessions and things. So it's, we can all do these things. It's uh, really interesting. Eric, I think about that story almost all the time when I when I try to do uh, work on myself because there's a few areas that are difficult to work on and may seem seem daunting. But then I'm reminded of of your experience in in, in while on your hiking trip in the desert or in mountains, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's just something that I use to draw inspiration from quite frequently. I don't think I've ever told that to you before. So yeah, dude, I think about that all the time. No, no, that's that's interesting. I, I I think about occasionally myself too, and I've had other circumstances. I mean, even once, um, remotely where people, I got somebody that got I got to keep really vague, just privacy concerns. So I'm, so I'm gonna have to watch how I word it. But so, um, I've had sessions remotely with people. So with the mom of somebody who didn't even know they were having a session, um, and I actually got feedback on this in the last month or so, um, from this person. I guess her son, um, somewhere in L.A. Um, he was diagnosed as a schizophrenic, was out on the streets for a couple of years before that. Um, we did our session, again, I'll leave it like that. He called within hours, um, and then that was, I don't know, a year and a half ago or something like that. And then I had a session with her again a month ago where she gave me more feedback, saying you know, how it was just a, a life-changing um, circumstance for them all um, to see that and how he's pr progressed and changed now. Um so, and, and she was just amazed. And the dad was, especially when all of a sudden he got the, the phone call or something from, I don't remember his name, doesn't matter what his name was, um, from the son um, and connected back. So that was just another one of those things are just so in your face, air quotes here, unbelievable. So once I have those moments, I'm like, well, so much for unbelievable. It's a thing. And then it clearly wasn't just a coincidence because the guy, the son didn't even know about it. And then to get the feedback to bring it back to my reality. So long story short, I just need to get the heck over it and myself and realize this stuff happens. And when I come at it that way, it happens easier, stronger, you know, uh, uh, weird terms, but, and faster. Um, yeah, it's, it's a crazy universe. So I still can't, I've got to go back to this whole, we're, we're being, we're doing grunt works. We're doing grunt works. We're doing grunt work for, for the mineral kingdom. Uh, to build them their ai like that that perspective uh, just makes me happy and it kind of makes sense too like in the, the chain like a neville like a uh, evolution is the right word but you know a series of events and happenings like well and i like it from how like mycelium actually work because mycelium really control the entire ecosystem all the plants all the environment the things that that we exist in the oxygen in the air is all put there by mycelium you know uh, you know, the largest creatures, you know, that we know by, you know, biomass, they make up something like, what is it? It's like 30% of all the top soil is made up of mycelium. Mm -hmm. um, but you see this where, um, uh, like mushrooms aren't able to produce sugars, but they're able to absorb minerals. So, you know, their deal with the plants is they make a swap. So I find that interesting that even within there, uh, there is, you know, this crystalline structure and, you know, obviously crystals share so much 
in, you know, with life, aside from the fact that crystals are necessary. You need so many minerals in your body. Without them, you go crazy. You cannot live. You cannot function. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I guess it's just indicative of an animistic universe, you know, that there's these different components that have the qualities of life that when you put them together in the right way, allow something to be channeled through that uh, is life. So I think crystals are alive, but uh, I don't know if you might talk to a crystal. I guess in an animistic world, you could. You could well, go talk to my well, crystals. That, that was very well put. And <laughs> I I thought about making a t-shirt, and maybe I should, that you know, rocks are people too. Um, and there's more, you know, there's a few uh, Native American traditions where the, you know, the ancestors go to rest in the rocks, and they're still there to... You and know, to back glean, to what we were talking about, like gnomes, yeah. wood fairies, and yeah. uh, people getting abducted and taken near rock boulders um, goes way back in all fairy lores um, and uh, in national parks and across uh, the world in where missing people. There is a mm -hmm. much higher predominance of people going missing near boulder fields, and it's unknown why, yeah. at least in where people truly disappear, and it's not... Uh, uh, there's not a, a logical reason. So yeah, I well, don't know. There's yeah. something about certain types of rocks that there are portals everywhere, right? But when you get into those highly charged areas, there's portals and portals. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if the good neighbors had something to do with it. You know, mm -hmm. the little people. But uh, you know, it also brings it brings it back around to the copper conversation that um i mentioned earlier <clears throat> i've started um well i read i read an article in, about using copper and zinc um holding one in your right hand one in your left hand um while you meditate <clears throat> and those um i was i'd come up come across this cuz i was looking into brass specifically um which is the combination of copper and zinc and it's used a lot in um electrical work right it's a very good conductor of electricity so meditating with a chunk of copper and a chunk of zinc in your hands you're completing <clears throat> that circuit and as a electric you know uh magnetic being you're just sort of it it what i've what i've uh observed i guess is the best way to put it is that it cleans those energies up as they're circulating through so when you're doing that that work on yourself you know having those working like antenna and completing those circuits really has cleaned the energy up makes it flow better um and i was look looking up brass specifically because it's you find it on a lot of altars and it's always been sort of a sacred metal and a combination of copper and zinc um making it i found pretty interesting copper i worked with because it's venus's metal and uh i was working with that energy to open and expand the heart space so she was a good teacher but it's interesting if you you using the metals that correspond with the planets you know it kind of that 
that triggers something too to bring those energies in a little better too is what i found kind of makes sense i mean that's how a lot of batteries work with uh using copper and zinc because uh one's gonna you know have more propensity propensity to uh like be pushing off ions and the other one's gonna have a propensity to be pulling on ions so it's kind of like the the old i think it's kind of like one of the components of the baghdad battery i uh i ordered some copper wire a few weeks ago now from amazon but it finally arrived but I, and I, I promised I was going to report back with my electroculture experiments. I have not done that yet, but next week uh, I will have an update for you guys, I promise. Let me know, and I'm interested in the color of the copper wire. There's, especially when it comes to like electrical cords and stuff, ah, it's pro there's a lot of co copper is an alloy um, that looks a, like a brighter copper. If you look at older coppers in houses and places, um, aside from feeling different, they've got a much more golden color much more closer to like old pennies. Mm. Um, and a lot of the stuff is uh, much brighter. They've got like uh, more whiter metals, aluminums, things that are uh, uh, built in, which isn't bad because, you know, aluminum is a great conductor. It just can't handle a high load and vaporizes. Well, allegedly, this is 100% copper. Made in the USA, of course. But it's, I got 18 gauge. <laughs> There's a half pound of it here. And if it's made in the U.S., you have a much better chance. That's very cool. Are you using it for jewelry making, or is that for... Specifically for electroculture antennas. Gotcha. Cool. Got 20 bucks on Amazon. Um, but, uh, Adam, I was going to ask you, do you remember interviewing Tom Ross on 13 Questions? He was an author that uh, was working with AI uh, back when we... We're talking to him, right? So that's how many years ago. But he was writing uh, this book. He was having AI write a book for or with him, or he and he was having. Uh, I forget his process, but he had two versions, right, of this of his book. Um, there, was, there was an AI version and a human version. Very interesting. But um, I wanted to ask if you remembered him talking about how the evolution of AI, the 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 end game is that it must necessarily become more. Uh, more empathetic, uh, more more compassionate towards human beings as it evolves and gets, you know, smarter, right, and more all knowing, right, because it's going to understand that empathy and compassion are are, uh, I mean, essential to to dealing with humans, right? And hopefully, uh, right, these systems are so complex right now that we can't understand, you know, exactly how they're getting to some of the the high end results. So. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe it might just decide that, uh, you know, we're not efficient. No, no, no. They're very efficient. They're super efficient. They're the most efficient piece of technology ever. That's, that's right. I've seen the matrix. I know where it's going. <laughs> we are batteries. <laughs> but I don't know. That was just something that popped into my head when we were talking about AI today is that Sometimes, you know, myself included, we get a little amped up or antsy, anxious about the future, right? Well, according, I just, you know, according to a guy I interviewed on a show once, right? He said that it's going to be okay. <laughs> Everything's, as AI gets smarter, it's going to be more empathetic and more compassionate. So, no, I, even if it's not, you're not stopping it. There's some things that are just so powerful in their capability that if you tell people no, okay, good, it's information. 
You know, it's kind of like the CIA tools that leaked out for hacking, you know. All right, once you've made them, the the level for access and use is just getting the information. And it's, you know, you ain't getting the pee out of the pool. So uh, it's going to progress whether you decide to do a six-month stop, you know. Um, as powerful as it is, I cannot see any government that's not going to be in the background still working on it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. How can you fear something, you know, if the tide always coming, you're just going to have to face it. That's how I view AI. Yeah. The, nothing's going to change. Like, okay, the whole argument for AI slowdown or AI stop, like, there's that is, in my opinion, just false. Like, there's nobody's going to stop developing this. They might say they are, but secretly, you know, they're going to do Well, and to me, what are the fears? All the big fears, you know, they're, they're not at Terminator level yet. Everybody's just talking about takeover of jobs and the job that it can take over very well in sectors that would be huge, customer service, things like that, where, you know, people are utilizing these tools now because they're so much more efficient at making them better at their jobs that eventually these tools will be able to do it on their own. Um, but to me, it's the same argument as the Luddites in the Industrial Revolution. Um, you know, and like I said, it's just information. You know, it's like saying, you know, ban all guns. It's like, well, as long as somebody knows how to make a gun and they can, they're going to do it. Chat GPT is even easier. Do you have a hard drive? You can get it. Yeah, I've been using uh, a, a Telegram based version of the the ai called chad c-h-a-d uh, it's through at the azazel news network but we won't get into that right at the moment but it's super easy if you just download the telegram app find the channel you can you know just text basically text ai all day if you wanted to um but and also be smart out there don't go sharing things you shouldn't because it's learning so anything you put in is going to get incorporated into its knowledge and other people's search results. So um, it's going to be incredibly powerful, but you've already seen companies like Samsung having people uh, do error correction with code and stuff in it. Uh, but then through other queries in the system, part of that proprietary uh, unknown, uh, you know, uh, code is, is out there. So, yeah. It's uh, it's certainly going to be uh, attacking different in weird ways like that. Like, who would have thought that you know, um, you know, huge companies would be having um, you know, just data leaks through something because it's helping them be better. So, just to go on record, we are officially against AI slowdown. At least I. <laughs> um, and go ahead. I just wanted to mention that um the channeler who was talking about the mineral us the humans being the ai for the mineral kingdom um gordon was was talking about aubrey marcus's podcast which i don't know if you listen to that anybody does it's a, it's yeah i don't regularly listen well. but i but no he he's a really really yeah. interesting dude in his so, and he's had this channeler on before i'm trying to remember his name de stefano is his last name he's argentinian um and he's he's channeled a lot of the frequencies i've been uh a party to uh he's a very interesting dude so to hear him you know go sit with with mother ayahuasca and 
get even deeper access to some of this stuff. I was pretty amazed by it. I'm I'm going to listen to Aubrey uh this evening after after we're done um to hear the whole thing. Uh so I just wanted to mention it was the full the full um interview is on Aubrey's podcast and it's uh I'm fascinated by it. So I'm gonna I'm definitely checking that out. Yeah, I'm gonna put that on my list as well. Um, before we move on past the new business segment, was there anything anybody else wanted to share? I'm losing track at this point. I don't you guys anything uh new from the last time we spoke. If not, then I have got more show and tell. So um I was gonna mention that it was kind of part of my gratitudes this morning is some of the energies have, have settled um, from the last, I don't know, week or even more when we had, you know, a full moon on the eclipse or a, an eclipse with the full moon, right? Um, kind of bringing in, bringing in a lot of energetic upgrades for a lot of people and the energy was rough. And so having it kind of, I felt it a shift this morning. It kind of smoothed out a little bit. And uh, those, <laughs> the the energies that were coming in really did lift a lot of um, cor- corresponding with, with the planetary movements, right? With Pluto going retrograde in the same week um i saw it just out in out in public uh bringing up some of those uh deeper emotions you you've been putting off right and so with that settling out there is there's this shift like upgrade shift that i've i've perceived and it's I don't know, it's corresponding with with a lot of spring opening up where I'm at too na- in in nature. So, I just found that interesting. Yeah, I mean that makes sense for the time of the year. We just we, we mm-hmm. didn't uh, we're just coming out of May Day. May May 1st is May Day. Um, mm-hmm. And uh the the pagan quote unquote pagan belief is is that this is kind of like the counterpart to uh Samhain or Halloween, right? So, we've got the switch from more of the downer energies to the upper energies right because it's spring yeah so. and recognizing the abundance that's all around you you know that was one of the things that that really came in clear and shifted a little bit more and helped me i don't know be a little more grateful every morning you know like Bootsy was saying just waking up feeling good yeah, yeah you know so yeah i think that was part of that you know the shift for the collective was was in that and those those energetic upgrades are um i'm looking forward to seeing how i can observe it you know out in the physical reality it's always fun after you know the the energetic event has happened and it takes a while to to integrate you know fully but then you can start seeing um or i have anyway in the past um start seeing it just kind of integrated into the whole movie so yeah 
for sure. The uh, just like I was listening to a YouTube video about Mayday, right? And they were saying that the veil is thin, just like it is on Halloween, but for things to happen, which you know, sounds like sounds like which what happened for you. Well, veils are always thin, really. I mean, they're veils, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, it's there is there is that perceivable energy, kind of like yeah, I don't know if I I got a foot in both worlds all the time, pretty much. So it's hard uh, for me to see those times. But I guess yeah, it was pretty crowded around here. So yeah. I guess that's that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I I think uh, Mayday was interesting for me too because I've 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 learned I've come into the possession of a saint deck of cards that my mother made me. She she's a uh, avid uh, ancestor researcher. What is that called? Genealogy. There we go. Uh, anyway, so she's traced back like my family uh, hundreds hundreds of years, right? So I, I happen to be related to two saints that had their feast day on May first. So. A shout out to uh, Saint Bertha and uh, Saint Sigismund. Uh, Sigismund was from Burgundy, and uh, Bertha is from England. So, just shout out to ancestors. Something that we talk about a lot on Thirteen Questions. Adam and I have anyway. Indeed, uh, I did want to show off a few stones. Did anybody have anything new business related? Derek, did you have any something? You unmuted for a second before. I don't no, know. I. Yeah, I forget what that was about. But no, I don't have any new business. No, we can jump into new stones if you have some. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to show off the, some of the fluorescent uh, things I have discovered since getting this light. Um, two of which uh, Derek actually sent me. I, I didn't mention this the last show that we had, but he sent me along with the little gnome guy I showed you guys earlier. And we'll put this on YouTube later so people can actually see what's happening here. But he sent me a couple of fluorescent stones. And I wanted to make a correction because... Uh, when I mentioned, I don't know if I, I think, I, yeah, I mentioned it on the show last time. I called it pink mango calcite. It's not mango calcite. It's called Magano, or I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's M-A-G-A-N-O. That's how I say it. Yeah, so it's, this. it just looks like a white cube, right? I've got my UV here. So for, for those watching, it'll just a white cube, and then we hit it with the UV. And it turns... That's not a very camera angle horrible, but it's pink now. Anyway, <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell with the reflection from it, but yeah, it's because you can you can tell that it lights up like a freaking light bulb. It lights up so much it looks fake. Oh yeah, that's and that mine I was told by my um supplier flooded last year during some kind of floods or and so that stuff's going to be uh, next impossible to get for who knows how long oh, thank you for sending me a piece that is super cool and then the other one that you sent me was a, a piece of uh, arizona chalcedony and this is also appears white right? but when you hit it with the uv it turns green so anybody that wants to hop on youtube if you're listening to this on youtube and seeing it now that doesn't do it very much justice, but there it is. But the other thing that I discovered that I didn't know that I had before until searching through all my rocks with the UV was something called, and my wife picked this out, it's Smoky Quartz Point, but it's got a little tiny 
tip of highlight on the tip of it here. And uh, this thing is like a green laser pointer when you hit it with UV. Okay. Let's see if you get it. I can't see it when I'm holding it up. But yeah, see how bright that sucker gets? Yeah, and people on YouTube, if they see this later, Bill, are going to think there's like a, a, a light bulb inside of that crystal or the other ones. But that's just a, yeah, what it refracts from that ultraviolet light hitting it. They're black light. And there's different different wavelengths. And I know you know that, Bill. Um, so here at Mystical Wares, and you, people can do it at home, is you can order the small, um, you know, UV or black light, various wavelengths, uh, flashlights, and then just hit your rock collection or go in your backyard or your driveway. And you never know what you're going to find that'll for us. Yeah, I even found, Ben sent me a marble a few months ago. This one you can't hardly see at all, but this fluoresces too. It's green and orange. Spirit marble. I actually, I put this on a specific place on my, my dresser where I kind of have an altar set up. And then it made its way out into the living room because it, it uh, well, my wife brought it out to the fluoresce and she wanted to show me. But I put it there. And I don't know, it's just interesting that it made its way, like finally found where it wants to live, right? So I've been keeping it, keeping it out here for now. I don't know what else to do with it. I don't feel like it wants to be thrown into the woods, Ben. I don't know. That's why you sent it here, but it's staying in the house for a moment. <laughs> well, that, yeah, it's funny because I was going to say you could put it out by your gnome guy. Okay. And, uh, but I don't know if you feel like it doesn't want to, you know, but let it hang out, see what it's got for you. Right. I've meditated with it once at least, but, uh, while uh, Ben is speaking, uh, we, him and I, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring us back to these, this little alien carving guy. We talked about him mm -hmm. a few episodes ago, Ben and I were having a conversation about, uh, watchers, uh, angels. <laughs> From the book of Enoch, and I, I came across this YouTube video, of course. Haha. -ha. Um, no, it was a presentation given by uh, a few people about these stones coming out of Mexico. Uh, Scott Walter made an appearance at the end, so these are, you know, credible quote unquote figures within the field. But and then they're saying it's a mystery, right? They they can't confirm or deny that these things are real or whatever, and and the government won't won't uh, you know classify them either. So. Uh, but uh, the interesting part the of, of the YouTube video, which I will link to in the show notes, is um, the, the, the main speaker was a dude, and but there was another lady. I'm really technical about this, right? But uh, she, she had referenced this study that uh, was done by, I don't remember the number of remote viewers, I want to say like 30 or something, but uh, they, they gave... Um, these people artifacts artifacts like these stone carvings that they told them to to go out and figure out what information they could glean from from the universe right and they all came back with a uh, not say all of them you can watch the video yourself but the, the the consensus was that this story was of a civilization that had left their home world and came here kind of like uh, reminiscent of noah and the ark so on that note um, I know because I was going to ask uh, Derek or Ben or anybody that wants to chime in here, really. Um, but Derek was able to uh, identify, I think, 
arc, something with an A. You had given them a name before on one of the shows that we had done. Maybe it was a private conversation, but I wanted to readdress it here and ask you again, like, is are these people, these entities uh, still around? Like, is did they, is this, are these the Watchers? Did, is this Noah's Ark related type? Or are they, are they willing to talk? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm just here asking questions, really. Oh, sure. Was it the Arcturians? Is that what we were chatting about? I don't remember. I, if it was... I think he said Arcturians because I remember there's a star called Arcturus, right? Which is in uh, Constellation Booty, Booties, I think. I'm not sure. I remember looking it up, but I know there was a star associated that reminded me of the name that you said. So I want to say it was Arcturians, but I will let you uh, specify. Yeah, well, and I've never even looked it up myself. So even that's when I do that stuff, it comes through, and it's because I again I have no background or um or you know knowledge of a lot of this, or I don't I don't know the names of the entities unless they tell me kind of thing too. And often they go by so many names um, that it's it's so convoluted down here. So when I'm communicating, and and I'm like you know I, I'm trying to say someone will say, well, we're often known by this or that. You know, it just varies so much, and I try and avoid all of that because. Um, you can get again stuck in that stuff for so long. So I see it more as a density that they're communicating from. Um, I, I don't know how to explain that one too, because it's like saying somebody's from America. I'll just use this as an example. Speaking to me, do you care what state they're from? I mean, depending on what you're talking about, of course, I don't make a difference. But just for ease of this conversation, um, they go by so many names and things. I just I don't. I don't assume that one entity speaks for a whole race anyway. Again, there's there's so many layers to all of this. So I just have one-on-one -on -one communication. So if you had, my ears are ringing now. Um, so if you had specific questions yeah. or something. I do. Yeah. There, there, a lot of these carvings uh, depict beings holding up little tiny beings, like little babies. They look like little baby beings. And sometimes they're, uh, inside of a beam coming down from one of these UFOs, but uh, you can't really tell if these little babies are being beamed down to Earth or if they're being offered back up to the whatever's oh, in the ship. I see. Neither. Um, I mean, I'm sure some people have that. So, uh, think bringing down the fr the frequency or or those entities into a body down here. So, um, so this planet can hold certain vehicles called bodies. And so again, we, I'm saying vehicles because not all vehicles can have turbo boost, not all vehicles, you know, so certain things, um, certain, certain chakras, not all physical bodies can hold physical manifestations of chakras. So I'm just saying that different entities will um, use bodies, humans down here and use them to bring in, I'm sure there's better terms for this, um, they're they call them star seeds and star child. You know, you've all heard of those things now. That's what's going on. Is they're bringing entities that usually exist on other densities down to this one, um, is what they're often doing there. So I don't, I've never seen it, and they've never shown me that they're like you know, zapping up babies or sending them down or anything like that. No, it's bringing the spirit form or the entity, the soul, spirit, call it what you want, down into these vehicles um, on a stepped down level, um, and then they kind of. And that's happening on a big scale right now. They're dubbing a lot of them with different terms. Um, and they're advanced uh, entities from my perspective. And they're, they're putting them on this spectrum scale or that one or this, that. I've heard all kinds of crazy terms. 
and I'm not a fan of any of them. That's why I don't actually say them because um, when I communicate with these entities and to get the bigger point across, um, let's say I have a mom and this has happened I don't know how many times I'll have a here in person or remotely makes no difference. And they have a, a baby or their child and they've been dubbed this out of the other on the autism spectrum. Well, I can, and whether that person's communicated or not audibly, I don't care. It's called ESP. That's a scientific thing too. And I'm just talking psych, psychic communication. They're chatting with me on multiple levels and they can barely slow themselves down in that vehicle to communicate. So they're not limited entities. They're like, I don't know, race car drivers in, in Pintos trying to do, I mean, it's just, it's, it's an odd perspective for me. I'll just say, um, but no, it's, it's them bringing more of their kind. I don't, again, it's, it's, it's such a big picture thing. I, I get, I stumble a lot. Um, I don't know if you want to hone that in any or not. So this is not related to the biblical story of Noah's Ark at all. Then is it like, is that, the, uh... I don't know. all I know about Noah's Ark is, you know, I mean, an ark, they put two animals on yeah. No, I mean, no, that's, that's not a thing. Um, from, from what I, my understanding, my, remember, I'm just a really blunt guy and I'm only giving you my perspective. So I'm not telling anybody this is that or the other. So just like any one of us do respond, we give our own perspectives. No, that's a whole, it's a genetics thing. And we have um, creatures down here that will instantaneously in one generation revert or change drastically. And often it's what we call back or reverse Stick a pyramid out in the um, forest, and you're going to see the plants around it revert back to ancient forms. The Russians did this, and this whole studies, um, <clears throat> and animals can do the same thing. And so can so can people. It's all frequency. All the right frequencies, and and the entity can, you know, I, I just term it as access more of itself. So that's why there's more. What do they call them? Star star beings or star kids or happening now. Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing that I. The comparison that I drew to uh, to Noah was just because they in these uh, remote viewer reports it was said that there there was a problem with their planet right and they and you could see this depicted in on these carvings like there's you know planet looking object and it's got these tiny little dots around it as if to say there's something wrong with the atmosphere and then you could see like giant things shooting out of or into the planet so was there did they have a home world that was in trouble at all at one point? Like, what oh is... yeah, that stuff happens. But those entities aren't going to be able to live on that other planet. It's like us. We're not going. We're not in frequency. Uh, we're not. Uh, I don't want to say in that density because yes, you can physically. Let's say if you went from A to B, went on the planet, but you're not going to be able to exist there not for any amount of time. And it's not an oxygen thing. It's a. It's a you know loosely put energy thing or frequency thing. So then they'd get the new planet, intermingle hybrid with the locals you know we've all heard these stories and then have their kind incarnate on in that new neighborhood that's how they'd have to do it you don't just grab a ship i mean bring the ship drop it and you know see how that works out for you we've all seen those movies doesn't usually go real well but yeah they do transfer their where they're where they incarnate so it's not a, a where they live thing so that makes so, sense because they did kind of seem like i got the hybrid vibe from from the little little dudes that they're holding up little babies I, I don't know why but yeah they messed with the genome the chromosomes two hundred thousand years ago chromosome number two there was lots of studies and all this stuff um uh, we don't have limited time anyway but yeah our we we haven't changed at all i mean it's like evolution is a thing but it's on such a wide scale that it's kind of out of this conversation um but no our we turned on genetically again loosely two hundred thousand years ago 
when all sorts of stuff activated, we had language, math, I mean, it all came um, because these vehicles were modified by other entities, you know, ETs that, that wanted to start a production of more high-end vehicles um, that had a, a spiritual aspect, chakras. Interesting. I find this story super fascinating. Um, I do have a, a friend uh, through the, the rock club here in town that has made friends with a family that owns land down in Mexico and he, he makes trips down there. And uh, he has a few people that he would uh, love to put in contact with a podcast so they can talk about these things from, from their perspective. And I offered to do that for him. So we will have a guest or guests uh, later, uh, later on in the show, we are coming the top of the second hour and we haven't even touched on the third segment yet so uh, i'm going to dive right into that now and we'll pick up the uh, the alien conversation later because I, I it's not something that i am satisfied in uh exploring yet so we're done exploring we uh are coming to the uh third agreement we're going through the four agreements of Don Miguel Ruiz's work, the four agreements. We, we, we started this backwards, right? So at the end of the book, I wanted to start there because it kind of gives some context around the, uh, the three masteries that a Toltec warrior will uh, strive to complete throughout his life, uh, the mastery of awareness, the mastery of transformation, and the mastery of intent or love or God, right? That's, and, uh, so the, the mastery of transformation are what the four agreements are used for specifically, which is very alchemical. And uh, so we, we did the first one, um, well, the fourth one, the first one that we covered was doing your best. And the, the third one, the second one that we're covering is don't make assumptions. So I just have a, a page, right, of, of notes that I wrote down from kind of reading rereading the chapter and I'm kind of okay so we didn't get to do an episode last week and I'm kind of glad we didn't because it's given me an extra week to meditate on not making assumptions which I just found super helpful because it is a big thing right like to, to try to catch yourself in these mental loops and to break them so um, anyway without further ado the uh, do not make assumptions bullet points uh, chapter from my point of view anyway the problem is that we quote unquote believe they are true some assumptions are true so you are asking for problems by misunderstanding and creating a drama that doesn't actually exist when we assume things we create emotional poison because we start gossiping about our assumptions gossip is the way that we communicate the dream of hell and transfer emotional poison Because we believe we are correct in our assumptions, we defend them and we try to put someone else in the quote-unquote wrong. It's always better to ask questions and get clarification. Making assumptions in relationships is really asking for trouble. Assuming that others know what we think and feel without actually saying how we feel or what we think is, is going to you know, be asking for trouble. We assume they're going to do, or yeah, we assume our our partners or, or people in relationships are going to do what we want, and when they don't, we get hurt, we get let down, right, because we've made assumptions. The, the human mind 
has a need to justify everything in order to be safe. The reasoning mind cannot explain everything, so we end up filling in the gaps with assumptions because we don't have the courage to ask questions. These assumptions are agreements. So we're going to, the point here is to make this agreement overtake those agreements. So the don't make assumptions agreement will trump these other, these, these other things as we come along, at least it's the idea, right? So we also make assumptions about ourselves. And I did want to read a little excerpt. I've got two excerpts, super short, because uh, I know we're running low on time. Um, to to talk about that point about uh, making assumptions about ourselves because there's just some things that uh, the author's writing puts is, is so well put that I, it's hard to make it to a bullet point, right? So He writes, we also make assumptions about ourselves and this creates a lot of inner conflict. I think I am able to do this. You make this assumption, for instance, then you discover that you aren't able to do it. You overestimate or underestimate yourself because you haven't taken the time to ask yourself questions and to answer them. Perhaps you need to gather more facts about a particular situation, or maybe you need to stop lying to yourself about what you truly want. Often, when you go into a relationship with someone you like, you have to justify why you like that person. You only see what you want to see, and you deny there are things you don't like about that person. You lie to yourself just to make yourself right. Then you make assumptions, and one of the assumptions is, my love will change this person. But this is not true. Your love will not change anybody. If others change, it's because they want to change, not because you can change them. Then something happens between the two of you, and you get hurt. Suddenly, you see what you didn't want to see before, and now, only now it is amplified by your emotional poison. Now you have to justify your emotional pain and blame them for your choices. We don't need to justify love. It is there or not there. Real love is accepting other people the way they are without trying to change them. If we try to change them, this means we don't really like them. Of course, if you decide to live with someone, if you make that agreement, it is always better to make that agreement with someone who is exactly the way you want him or her to be. Find someone whom you don't have to change at all. It is much easier to find someone who is already the way you want him or her to be instead of trying to change that person. Also, that person must love you just the way that you are, so he or she doesn't have to change you at all. If others feel they have to change you, that means they don't really love you just the way you are. So why be with someone if you're not the way he or she wants you to be? We have to be what we are, so we don't have to present a false image. If you love me the way I am, okay, take me. If you don't love me the way I am, okay, bye-bye, find someone else. It may sound harsh, but this kind of communication means that personal agreements we make with others are clear and impeccable which foreshadows another one of the agreements, impeccability. I digress. Um, just two more bullet points here. Uh, the way to, to the way, this is real important, the way to avoid making assumptions is to ask questions. You always have the right to ask. Asking questions will facilitate 
clear communications and this is going to change all of your relationships last bullet point becoming aware of these agreements or habits and understanding the importance of these of this agreement in particular is the first step but having this info is not enough we have to act on it which is where the fourth agreement comes into play doing your best acting right and this is why i put it or this is the, also the idea behind the third segment of this show to to inspire us to remind us to to do our best and to not make assumptions and to to act right and speaking of action this is uh the last thing that i will read from the book it's the last page of the chapter he writes taking the action over and over again strengthens your will nurtures the seed and establishes a solid foundation for the new habit to grow after many repetitions of after many repetitions these new agreements will become second nature and you will see how the magic of your world transforms you from a black magician into a white magician the white magician uses the word for creation giving sharing and loving by making this one agreement a habit your whole life will be completely transformed when you transform your whole dream magic just happens in your life what you need comes to you easily because spirit moves freely through you this is the mastery of intent the mastery of the spirit the mastery of love the mastery of gratitude and the mastery of life this is the goal of the toltec this is the path to personal freedom so well that's pretty self-explanatory when you take a step back and, and look at it i suppose but uh did anything jump out to anybody i know that we don't have a whole lot of time here but any anybody hear anything that maybe resonated with them or made them think about something else or something different or connect dots anywhere i'm a big fan of asking questions you know the um even if you know the answer or you think you do you know if that person's they're going to have a different perspective and a different way of uh, phrasing how they explain it, then, then it might enhance your understanding of it as well. So the whole idea that there are no stupid questions, right? There really aren't. It may seem naive or something like that, but that's just how you're processing that, you know, get over that. Just ask the question, whether you, whether you know the answer or not. And you will continue to learn. Yeah, and it, he's right. I mean, uh, Don Miguel's saying that it takes courage to ask. Like sometimes we're afraid to ask because I don't know because we don't want to seem stupid, right? We don't want to seem uninformed or whatever. But it really, uh, I mean, the end justifies. I mean, the doing it this way is better, right? <laughs> Getting clarification. Well, and how the person answers can also you know if you're observant enough it can tell you a lot about them in the same at the same time you know especially if it's a stupid question quote unquote you know right yeah because you can okay because you're right you can glean so much information just based off of what not only their verbal answer but like their body language too right because mm -hmm. that's yeah the... tone inflection all the, the words that they use to describe it yeah you can 
read it, read a lot into it. Yeah. The, the other thing that uh, really struck me, and it's kind of why I read it, the first deck script was the thing about relationships and not uh, trying to change other people, right? Like that was, uh, I don't know, it's a point that I can see um, my older self like giving my younger self if I had, you know, the opportunity to go back in time and give yourself one message or, or tell your teenage self one one piece of advice, right? Like, don't like you can't can't change anybody. It's already there. It's there or it's not. If it's not, then move mm -hmm. on, right? <laughs> so that that was the thing that one of the things that stuck out to me for that one. Uh, so yeah, don't make assumptions. Always do your best. And the next one that we will be covering is don't take anything personally. And uh, I will go through this and do some bullet points for uh, next week and have that prepared for the third segment. Did uh, Adam or Derek have any any thoughts on not making assumptions before we wrap up? No. Um, aside from that being like... Uh one of the tenets of everybody's life is to not make assumptions. Um, yeah, I, I'm of the, the view that uh, truth is always stranger than fiction, and that bleeds out into every single aspect of life that you could look at, you know, whether it's, you know, somebody being shot, you know, by a police officer because they don't have a weapon. It's like, well, you assumed they did. You had no conclusive proof, and they did not. You know, um, you know, there's just every single possible level. Um, don't make assumptions. When you make assumptions, you start discluding possibilities or including possibilities. And you know, the quantum nature of the universe, where you know sometimes things just happen because it's possible. Yeah, you can't live too much in the assumption. You need to assume uh, that anything is possible, and you won't be surprised. Exactly. Like one of the one of the tenets, one of the ideas behind the show when we were first putting it together was that the and Ben clarified this for me, the world is, is stranger than we can imagine, like we can physically imagine. So why would we I mean making assumptions just doesn't make sense at that point, if you understand that. It's kind of a awful uh awful, get it? Awful. Same difference. Yeah. Words mean things. Exactly. It's uh, Derek, did you have any final thoughts for this episode? Uh, no, Adam laid it out pretty well. That was similar to what I was going to say. Um, you know, other than maybe adding on, of course, there's always more to the story, you know, playing off the assumption thing, um, because I catch myself doing that. I, I'm, you know, I'm not any better than anybody else in this life. You know, I catch myself in those moments of assuming, and then, you know, there's always another aspect to it, you know, something you can't see or perceive at the time. Um, so yeah, no, just, I, I love that you had read that, that part from Neville and, uh, no, I, I agree. It's really interesting stuff to think about. Yeah. It's just, it's so broad and it covers pretty much everything. So I'm happy to have had two weeks to, to meditate on this one assumption and, uh, we will get into the third one. Like I said, next episode, we are recording this live, by the way, listeners listening after the fact on the podcast which i will release on tuesday evenings but we do do the show live and you can interact and chat with us at chrononautchronicles.com during the show so 
Until next time, Chrononauts, Carpe Diem.